0: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events.
1: Dirty cars, crime, buses and trains that are slow to arrive or sometimes don't show up at all. I'm Sasha Ann Simons and this is Reset. Those are a few of the problems CTA riders have pointed out about the city's public transit system in recent years. Officials say the issues are driven in part by staffing shortages and that they're addressing them as quickly as they can. But many riders remain frustrated. WBEZ reporter and editor Natalie Moore recently wrote a column in the Chicago Sun-Times sharing her perspective on the situation as a lifelong transit rider. She says it's time for a reckoning on the problems with public transit in Chicago. So let's check in with her. Natalie, when did you first start writing the CTA?
2: Probably in my mother's belly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was a long time ago. So you've, you've been writing for a while. What what lines did you take, though, once you, once you arrived on Earth? <laughs> well, they weren't called
2: lines <laughs> back then. That's how long ago it oh, was. My gosh. We didn't, there wasn't the color-coded system. So. Oh, enlighten me. You know, I've only been here two years. So what um, did we have before this? I think this? it was just called the Dan Bryan ah. line. So that's where, yeah, where I lived off of. Yeah. So... And you yeah, you know, there's a, there's line. a, you know, family lore. says my mother almost went into labor with my younger brother on, on the, the train. L. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I remember as a little kid praying that the train wouldn't fall over, like when it would creak and go up. And I was just like five years old, like, oh, God, please don't let this train fall over. And, you know, it was safe. But as a little kid, you're like hearing the, the squeaking. Oh, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, now you begin your recent column in the Sun-Times with this beautiful glimpse at the L ride in the early 90s. I loved I loved the imagery. Paint the picture for us.
2: This is one of my favorite CTA stories. So I don't, you know, my parents were, you know, not helicopter parents. So I took the L by myself, the CTA to school. If I went downtown, if I had a job, whatever it was. So I don't know what I was doing downtown, but I was on the L and there was um, a man crumpled on the floor in the corner he looked like he was unhoused and there were some teenagers who got on with the boom box remember the 1990s oh yes and he starts rapping about his absentee father and the man on the floor is like cut all that racket out and the teenager just keeps rapping and this goes back and forth and we're creaking above chinatown <laughs> that that creaking And the passengers are all looking at each other like, oh, is this about to go down? Like, what's going to happen? And then the third time, the man gets up to interrupt, and he starts rapping as a persona of the absentee father. Oh, my gosh. So it was a skit. So it was a performance. It was a performance. And everybody clapped. I think everybody—well, most people gave money. I can't say everybody did, but— It was, you know, people are used to people hustling to get some money, but this was like clapping. This was wonderful. It was a surprise and engaged. And um, I know some people don't like that on the L or on public transit. They just want to ride. But for me, this was the color of us living in a big city, Mm -hmm. and it didn't, I mean, a lot of things don't, I know we'll talk more, a lot of things do not bother me, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, taking the L. Well, you've seen a lot of things, right? Growing up in the city,
1: taking the L for as long as you have. Give us a quick synopsis of the changes that you've seen over the years with the transit system.
2: Well, I will say that people are talking a lot about public safety and crime, and this is not new. I remember the 1980s, it was this big thing about if you wear your gold chain, it's going to get snatched. Which I, mean, I know that was everywhere. That was everywhere. So I, I don't want to paint this idyllic picture. The CTA was problem free, and suddenly during the pandemic, this dark cloud came. So there's always been harassment. Um, you know, years ago, there was a campaign that said, Stop telling women to smile, something that I get a lot, a lot of women get, particularly black women. Oh, I get that all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I have felt. At times unsafe and thinking, okay, do I get off at this? Like, I want to get off where it's really crowded in case this person tries to follow me. So, yeah. there's always, and I don't know if that's the CTA's fault per se. Right. But so there have lot, been. A lot of things
1: happening crime, yeah, cleanliness, as I mentioned earlier, the slow trains, the ghost buses, the but, range of things. But what do you think is the biggest issue?
2: But something has happened during the pandemic. Ridership was low. Mm-hmm. And I think that. There was a little bit of a free-for-all on what you could get away with or do. The trains seem dirtier. And, you know, I don't have anything to quantify to say that with, but it's gross. And I don't recall it ever being this gross. Mm. And there seems to be—and I don't know if it's social media that's capturing the crime. Like, I am careful because I don't know what the statistics are. I haven't done that level of reporting But whether real or perceived, there is this perception of higher crime and feeling unsafe. And we hear about all sorts of incidents that are are happening, people being beat up, being shot, being robbed. And, you know, you had the CTA employee who beat up a person. And I think the report just came out that that person had a drug overdose. Mm -hmm. But during the pandemic also these trains have become de facto mental health and homeless shelters. So all these societal problems, I mean, this is public transportation. Everybody is supposed to ride. And no matter what your lot in life, your socioeconomic or racial status, you have a right to be on the CTA. Well, you also say trust is an issue. You know, as I think about, I'm a journalist. I'm here to tell you what the problems are. I am not an urban planner with a transit specialty to tell you, CTA, this is what you should do. As a writer and as a denizen of this city, I can say that there has to be some sort of public campaign to gain back that trust around cleanliness, around public safety. Mm. People are really tired of the CTA. Yeah. And so how do you... and You know, with gas prices, like I found myself, you know what, I need to like not drive. I need to. and I don't live as close to a train line as I used to, but it has made me say I need to ride more. So there are so many opportunities that that CTA has to gain ridership and to get that trust back. This is
1: Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The woes of riding the CTA have been a focus of politicians and everyday riders alike. Our guest is WBEZ's Natalie Moore, and we are talking about her recent column in the Chicago Sun-Times. It's titled, I've Been Riding CTA All My Life. It's Time for a Reckoning on Public Transit's Problems. I want to add another voice to the conversation, and that is Cassie Walker-Burke. She is a WBEZ editor. Her team... Recently conducted an informal survey. It was nearly 2,000 CTA riders who took part, and they gave their thoughts on service, safety, cleanliness, and much more. Hey, Cassie, welcome back. Thanks for having me. We just heard some of Natalie's experiences on the CTA over the years. What did you hear from the people that you surveyed? Some similarities there.
3: Definitely some similarities. I mean, we definitely captured, I think, a moment in the city where people, and, and to Natalie's point, we're the, the CTA has not been perfect, right? It's a public resource, and it has for, you know, as long as it's been in existence, That it's the front door of the city, so you see all kinds of things. But people felt like, and we heard this time and time again in our survey, that there had been a marked decline in both the quality of service. So you're talking about delays, ghost buses, standing on a platform, you know, waiting on something that's not coming. Um, and there'd also been a delay in cleanliness and sort of just the upkeep of the trains. And so we heard a lot about that. Now I, I should say that the survey that we fielded, we ran the story in January, and the survey we fielded was at the end of last year when the C- when the city and the CTA were in particularly had a, had a really bad staffing crunch. And so you know how the agency has improved. It started tracking its own improvements. I think that that right now is a really interesting story. And with a new mayoral administration, how much is the 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 new mayor going to focus on this as part of you know the the office? I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch.
1: Yeah. So the biggest issue that folks identified, would you say, if you had to rank it, delays. Delays. I
3: yeah. mean, top number one. It was nine out of ten people we heard from, and we heard from about two thousand people that we ran the story based on. And I've heard from a, probably another thousand since. I mean, the survey people have kept taking it, kept, kept reaching out, and you know, nine out of ten people had at the time of the survey experienced a delay within the first thirty days. That was followed, and in that, that's a big category. Mm-hmm. And something that we heard about very frequently within that were sort of two things. One were ghost buses and trains, so things that you know you saw on the tracker were coming and they never arrived. The other thing was just transit tracking questions, like why does this say this is coming and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and it's not coming, and, and trying to understand that. And so we've done some reporting around unpacking how that works, what the agency is planning to do about it, and really how it impacts riders. Because if you are a student trying to get to school, and you're looking at your tracker, and your bus isn't coming, that is a very real implication, yeah, or trying to get to work. We heard that from people time and time again.:
1: Yeah, no, I um I, I, Cassie brings up an interesting few points there, natalie. i mean how how do unhoused riders who take the CTA how does that affect the perception of safety, right? That's something that we we've, we've talked
2: about as well. Americans don't like poor people. they don't want to be around them. So the sight of someone who doesn't have a home feels—I think it can feel unsafe mm. for people, regardless of if the person is minding their own business. I think people are turned off aesthetically by it. So there, that's one issue. Um, and, I mean, frankly, even though public transportation is for everybody— this is not the proper place for people to be living. It's not on an L train car. Mm-hmm. They should have somewhere to live or somewhere to lie their head at night. OK, you're riding the train during the day. Do you have a shelter? Do you have a home? So I think what the what we have seen are there these larger societal issues. And then, you know, d- drug addiction is an issue in the city and you might have people who are trying to feed their habits or they're on the train you know mental health so again we are Hmm. you know even if people are minding their own business in that moment their presence can make people feel uncomfortable
1: did you hear any of that cassie that feeling of safety or, or lack thereof
2: I,
3: I think that, that it's a really interesting, the safety question, I think is really interesting. And what we saw in the survey was that there was really actually polar responses. Slightly, it was about 45% of people felt either somewhat unsafe or very unsafe. But on the flip side of that, about half of the respondents actually felt fairly safe. But I think to Natalie's point, the survey and, and when we're talking to people is also at a time when you know former Mayor Lightfoot, essentially closed down O'Hare in the evening hours and people were pushed to unhoused, people were pushed to the train. It's at a time where we know our shelter capacity is not um, able to keep up with the amount of requests for permanent housing. And so I think that we are seeing very much these things that are happening in the broader city and the L becomes sort of a front door, the bus system becomes sort of a front door for those sorts of issues. And it is, when you look at CTA issues, some of these things are things that are city issues.
2: And that's Something that, you know, we have to talk about beyond the CTA. And I think safety is a catch word because some of the response from my column was that, you know, I, I said that I tolerate things and tolerate sounds. I accept some things about the CTA that don't bother me. People selling loose squares because I understand they're part of the underground economy and it is what it is. People who like I've I've never seen an incident with someone selling loose squares or people selling. I I mean people buy socks on the L All the time, yeah, or I'm, incense, or like a you know your kid. Oh, that lighty thing, right? So, but some people like even responded to me the the public performance, the the selling, the peddling mm-hmm. that makes them feel unsafe. They don't like that, and so just like in neighborhood safety versus quality of life. Mm. How people perceive that in their own neighborhoods, it's it's very similar. So, what should safe or what should accountability? I should say, what what should
1: accountability on transit look like? You think um, for not just the CTA but the Johnson administration, this new team that we've got at City Hall, Cassie?
3: I think that's a great question, and and just to add one thing to the safety the safety point. I think that's something that we saw in the survey that's happening is is delays, frequent delays, also impacts safety and the perception of feeling safe. If you are finishing your evening shift and you're waiting for a bus alone in the middle of the street and all of a sudden your wait time is doubled from twenty to forty minutes, that that makes you that can make you feel unsafe. I mean, I think that some of these things are really intertwined. And so I think with accountability, something that I have seen and, and, and heard from people is that there isn't really a great way for writers to connect with the CTA and offer feedback. There is a feedback form. you They will direct you there. You can go fill it out. But actually in the drop-down menu, you can't choose cleanliness. You can't choose safety. You just choose customer service matter. And so I heard recently from a woman who felt like she had been inappropriately touched. And she was advised to file a police report and to send the CTA an email and the she had to choose customer service matter, and so I think that sometimes when we're talking about accountability, when we're talking about um, even hearing writers' concerns, what is the platform that that we're providing as, a, or what is, what platform is the CTA providing? Yeah, and I think that that's that's just a
1: place, a simple place to start. We'll have to leave it there for now. We've been talking with WBZ's Natalie Moore and Cassie Walker Burke. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. Back now with more Reset, I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. Hundreds of thousands of people hop on and off of CTA buses and trains every day, and the system is a vital lifeline for Chicagoans. It's also had its share of issues that you've heard about, and maybe you've experienced it yourself. Crime, dirty cars, ghost buses, trains, the list goes on. So here to tell us how the CTA is addressing those issues is CTA spokesperson Brian Steele. Welcome back, Brian.
4: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
1: And here with some ideas for how the new Johnson administration can work on public transit is state rep and former mayoral candidate Cam Buckner. He's the co-chair of the Transportation Subcommittee on Mayor Johnson's transition team. Welcome, Representative.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: So I'll start with you, Representative. Tell us about the work that you've been doing on the mayor's transition team.
0: Well, I'm extremely excited about the work that we've done thus far, and that we will continue uh, as, as we move along. Uh, the committee has gotten together to talk about ways that we can improve uh, frequency, safety, reliability, and have a real plan uh, to make CTA the best transit system in this country, which I truly believe is possible. We're bringing a bunch of differing voices to the table uh, with one uh, real goal, and that goal is to make um, transit in Chicago the human rights and civil rights issue that it is, I heard um, your earlier talking about the intersectionality of public transit. And we truly do believe that uh, it has that intersectional power that can also bring Chicago together. Uh, it is going to be an important piece of Chicago's future.
1: During your run for mayor, uh, public transportation and, and, and specifically the, the CTA were a big focus of your, your campaign. So when did you start writing the CTA and and what has your experience been like over the years?
0: Yes, yeah, so I've, I've been a CTA rider, um, you know, the majority of my life. I'm 38 years old now. I think I probably first started riding at about two or three years old and started riding by myself at about 10 or 11. Uh, my father used to take me on rides around the city uh, when I got good grades or something good happened in school or I won, a, won a, a basketball or a football game. We would, instead of going to the ice cream shop, we would get on the on the, on the the train, right, or on the bus and ride around the city. And it's the way that I learned Chicago, how Chicago looked, how Chicago smelled, um, it's the way I, you know, learned about Chicagoans, uh, and it really, uh, to me, is my, my reference point uh, about, you know, how this city operates. Um, you know, I, I think like many other Chicagoans, I've been really disappointed about where we are uh, today um, as a city when it comes to mobility, when it comes to transit, but I'm also excited about the opportunities that we have to shift the paradigm, right? The The pandemic... Uh, you know, was extremely daunting for all of us, but hopefully it can be an inflection point for us to move forward and once again create a not just a transit system, but a, a city that has mobility at its heart.
1: Brian, this is a good time to bring you in here because uh, there are so many stories like Representative Buckner's of, of Chicagoans growing up in the system, just navigating public transit over the years. So I'm curious what the CTA sees as its biggest issues and obstacles right now.
4: Well, first, I couldn't agree couldn't agree more uh, with Representative Buckner's comment about public transit having an intersectional power. You know, public transit is more than about getting from point A to B. We tend to think of it as simply as a way to get back and forth. It's about much more than that. It's about equity. It's about investment in neighborhoods. It's about opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. And I think one, I think that was proven extensively. During the pandemic, when businesses across the country were shutting down, CTA kept running. Not only did we keep running, we were the only transit agency in the country that didn't cut our service because we recognized how essential public transit was to essential workers, to people seeking health care, et cetera, et cetera. So we take that mission very seriously, uh, and we've continued to do so as we've emerged from the pandemic. Um, uh, One thing that that always strikes me is the the role that public transit plays in, in our city, right? It's woven into the fabric of the city. The other thing is, you know, CTA is really a microcosm of what's going on uh, in the society at large. Right. right? Um, you know, the, the issues that you see on CTA, unfortunately, are, are some of the issues, unfortunately, we, we see elsewhere. Right. Uh, so
1: I want to focus on some of those issues, Brian, in the interest of time. Let, let's first of all start with with safety from from headlines of, of stabbings at L stops. We're hearing about incidents on trains and on the buses. So how is the CTA working to, to step up to address those rider concerns?
4: Yeah, we have a longstanding 40-year partnership with the Chicago Police Department. They provide the law enforcement services for the CTA, and then we augment those services with some contracted security guards and canine units. Now, I do know that there, there is a, a media attention, particular media attention on incidents, uh, but uh, we just got some recent stats from the Chicago Police Department. Uh, violent crime is down 38%. Uh, month to date uh, in the month of April, twelve percent year to date. So the truth is, the trends are moving downward. you talking about overall crime, or are you, or on the CTA? On the CTA. This is this is um, solely for CTA crime. Uh, the Chicago Police Department actually has a unit dedicated solely to public transit. It's called the Public Transit. Uh, uh, public transportation section mm-hmm. and has officers that are on the system 24/7. So the good news is the numbers are moving in the right direction. We are no by no means near done in addressing this. We recognize that there needs to be more done uh, and and we're doing that through our partnership with yeah. CPD. So representative
1: Buckner you're hearing you know this from 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 Brian here. I'm curious the recommendations then that the the transition team is is bringing to the new administration so far the the transportation committee
0: yeah, so our, our work is not done yet. Uh, we, we began, and obviously, with, ver- with a very short runway between uh, the election and inauguration. Uh, we've got yet more work to do. But but, but I want to say, you know, um, when we look at, once again, the intersectionality, uh, we have to have a kind of wide, all-encompassing view on how we deal with transit. If you show me a transit system that is not safe, I can show you a city that has a public safety issue. Uh, if you show me a transit system that has a homelessness problem, I can show you a city with a housing problem, right? And so um, that has to be a part of all the recommendations that we Mm -hmm. will bring to the administration in the next uh, couple of weeks here. Uh, Once again, I can't underscore enough, Sasha Ann, how important transit is, how much of a civil rights and human rights issue it is. I remind people all the time that the modern day civil rights movement caught fire from the front of a public bus in Montgomery, Alabama in December of 1955. This, this is really a, a tool that drives us. And we have to start treating it like the true service it is and not like a commodity.
1: Brian, remind us the steps that the CTA is taking to address the ghost bus and ghost train situation. Are, are you making progress there?
4: Uh, we are. Uh, we've made great progress thus far, but there's absolutely more work to do. The heart of our issue is our workforce challenges. The public transit industry nationwide has seen an unprecedented workforce shortage. And it's, it's a pretty simple equation. If you don't have enough people to run your trains and buses, you're not going to be able to put out the service that you'd like to. And when you don't put out the service you'd like to, our trackers, which are j- uh, somewhat based on schedule information, aren't as accurate as we'd like them to be. But we've made great progress and we've been really transparent about that progress. One of the things that President Carter uh, at CTA uh, tasked us with doing with is coming up with a scorecard that shows our performance in a number of different operational areas. We update this monthly, and we Mm -hmm. actually recently made it interactive. You can look back at more than a year's worth of performance data. So uh, a couple quick numbers. We are providing 95%. Of our scheduled bus service and um, just about uh, high 80%, close to 90% of our rail service. Now, those numbers are pretty good, but clearly there's room for improvement. Uh, we've also greatly reduced uh, the big gaps uh, in trains. Uh, during the segment um, prior to this one, there was talk about these long waits for trains. We've really done a great job improving that. One recent example is the uh, O'Hare branch of the Blue Line where we've seen some significant ridership increases. Okay. The AM Run. Uh, which is one of the highest ridership points, was, was previously having some issues with not consistency in the arrival of trains, and sometimes people were waiting 10 minutes plus. I just looked at the uh, previous week's data. The headway, which is the space between arriving trains, last week averaged uh, about five or six minutes, which is really close to what it was pre-pandemic. So we are making progress, but there's absolutely more work to be done. And, uh, you know, we look forward to all the recommendations uh, that the mayor and that the uh, Transportation Committee has for CTA. Uh, We really look forward to that.
1: Yeah, and you talked about the the staffing shortages there. So is there a plan to boost hiring if that's the core of the issue?
4: Not only a plan, but significant progress thus far. This year alone, CTA has hosted five job fairs that have drawn over 1,900 participants interested in becoming uh, bus operators, rail operators, mechanics, etc. Did you hire any of them? Uh we have actually we are halfway through our goal of hiring uh, about seven hundred bus operators this year we've hired over three hundred thus far we've got more in the pipeline, and we continue to hire and As soon as those operators come in and go through the extensive training that they have to complete, then we assign them to the routes that are having the most issues so system wide on one hundred and twenty eight bus routes, riders are seeing improvements in the performance. Are there still times when they're waiting? longer than they should be? Yes. That still does happen, but it's happening with, right. happening with a much lesser frequency than it used to. And the same story is true on the rail side.
1: Representative Buckner, I'm curious your uh, your thoughts here on, on the ghost bus issue. I know that when we talked back in, in February during the mayoral run, you talked about being late for our WBEZ forum because you were, you were ghosted on that particular morning. Um, so tell us your thoughts there and, and what else the Johnson administration can do to address that issue in particular.
0: Yeah, as a as a avid C T A writer, you know, this is something I've experienced time and time again. I talked about it at that forum. Um I talked about it um at times last summer when I was uh, uh, trying to catch the 82 Kimball Holman bus on the west side of Chicago and I met a young lady who was stuck right there on 13th at Holman when she was ghosted twice and had to begin the five-mile walk to her job downtown and was worried that uh, her boss was not going to believe her that she actually got ghosted by a bus. Um, Listen, we've got a lot of work to do here, right? There's 130 routes, um, as Brian said, throughout the city, um, but we can find a way to move more people in less time, right? So there's people, there's performance, and there's processes. Uh, We can talk about all outdoor boarding uh, on our buses, right, instead of just boarding on the front door, because the way it works right now, more riders equals a slower commute time, which um, costs us millions of dollars a year. We could talk about off-board fare collection. We could talk about uh, reducing dwell times like they do in places like Copenhagen and Paris and San Francisco, Um, signal timing changes so that we can literally give our buses the green light to go, and we have to have real conversations about bus rapid transit yeah. dedicated bus lanes so we have on, on Michigan Avenue there's a half well, there's a dozen bus routes the 2 the 3 the 10 the 125 the 146 the 151 it's criminal that there isn't a dedicated bus lane there to move these move these folks up and down mm-hmm. our main corridors and so this has to be the forward-leaning progressive uh, things that we do to move this system forward
1: yeah and Brian so many other things I could address with you here we didn't even get to talk with you specifically about the cleanliness issue but you know many folks listening now they want to know solutions to these issues right in the steps to get there so in the minute I have left as we move forward what should people expect accountability to look like from the CTA
4: well, accountability is reflected in these scorecards that we publish monthly. The CTA not only recognizes these challenges; we have the first plan of its kind in the nation, uh, published by President Carter, to address them on a number of fronts. Uh, we have a, a plan called Meeting the Moment that talks about all of our service issues, cleanliness, etc. We're making progress in all those areas. Cleanliness is a particularly a challenging one because buses or trains are clean when they leave their terminals and their bus garages, but during the course of a trip, you're bringing on hundreds, if not thousands of riders and, you know, introducing all types of garbage and debris and things like that. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult challenge. We actually have added resources to cleaning uh, starting this spring. We hired more uh, rail janitors uh, to clean and wash uh, stations and trains. We do overnight power washing, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, we're we're, we're not doing, we're doing business differently than how we were at the beginning of the pandemic. The pandemic, uh, uh, Made all of us reexamine how we're approaching our basic business processes. Yeah. President Carter has done that. The CTA has done that. The progress is admirable thus far, but clearly there's more work to do. And as Representative Buckner mentioned, more innovative ideas uh, to introduce to public transit in Chicago.
1: We'll have to leave it there. We've been talking with CTA spokesperson Brian Steele and State Rep. Cam Buckner. He's the co-chair of the transportation subcommittee on Mayor Johnson's transition team. Thank you both. This episode of Reset was produced by Michael Liptrot and it was edited by Andrew Merriweather and Dan Tucker. Stay on top of this story and more by subscribing to the Reset Podcast. If you're already subscribed, thank you so much for your support. And if you're feeling extra generous, share our podcast with a friend. That'll do it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow.